Good morning, and welcome to the virtual Universalist Unitarian Church of Haverhill. Welcome to my home and Frank's home and Bo's home this morning. We're so glad to be together, and we invite you to check out our website for other information about what's going on throughout the week virtually for us to connect. We also want to make sure you know that we are here for you one-on-one -on -one too. Reach out on email, be connected, and be together. We want to call us into worship this morning with the words of Gretchen Haley. Whatever you have come in anticipating, whatever you expect or worry for our world, for the future, for our lives, let it go. Make space in your heart, in your heart, to be surprised. Make room in your soul for a new story to take shape. Be for this time astonished at this life, this life that remains a miracle. Make space in your heart for still this dreaming together, this being hope for each other and courage to believe in this new day dawning for us all. Come, let us worship together. Blessed be and amen. And now I would like to invite
Can everybody see you? Hmm. Let's see. Please now join me in the words for the unison affirmation. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love and to help one another to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony with the divine. We're now going to drop down into our time for prayer and meditation and silence. And as is our custom, we're going to drop down into this time by singing or listening to music. You get to choose. If you want to sing along, I invite you to. We're going to sing Spirit of Life. You're going to sing Spirit of Life. So let us enter into this time now. In our hearts, let's join together at the front of our sanctuary and share with this community our joys, our sorrows, our triumphs, and our fears. <clears throat> Maybe you want to physically light a candle or two in your home as you listen. Maybe you'll light a candle or two in your heart metaphorically to honor the joys and sorrows bursting from you, the struggles, the wonders, all that makes us imperfectly and gloriously human. This morning I will light four candles in my home and I hope as I do you'll speak the names out loud of those you're holding in your heart this morning. I light this first candle for those who teach and those who learn. 
parents who are teachers now. I light the second candle for those who labor and risk for the common good. I light this third candle for those who are sick and suffering this day. And I light this fourth candle for those bringing light to us during dark times. Holding all those we have named either silently or out loud, let us pray. Dear God, Dear lovely God, source of life and love, come to us in these hours of need and of beauty. Be with us wherever we are, we pray. In our joys and in our sorrows, help us to hold on to hope and faith and to believe in goodness in these days because it is so needed. And yes, we pray especially for those who are on the front lines these days who are serving at such a crucial and important and dangerous time. And we pray for those who are sick and for those of who are dying and for those who have died and for everyone who is grieving. God, hear our prayers. Remind us that we are not alone, that you are with us always. Hear our prayers as we continue them for a moment now in silence. Spirit of life and love, bless us, we pray. Bless our whole world, we pray, these days and in the days to come. Amen. Amen.
This Sunday, we have two readings. The first is this passage by Michael Walser, which articulates how the Exodus story has shaped and informed the Hebrew tradition to this day. Standing on the parted shores of history, we still believe what we were taught before we ever stood at Sinai's foot, that wherever we go, it is eternally Egypt, that there is a better place, a promised land, that the winding way to that promise passes through the wilderness, that there is no way to get from here to there, except by joining hands, marching together. <clears throat> the second reading is these lines from the poem Etruscan Tomb by David White. We stopped to say a simple word of thanks that we could walk to this place and find it like a promised understanding, like an intuition long held that it stood always at the end of the long road we took to get here, as if to welcome us, as if to teach and hold us in this time, now, to understand at last how close the threshold is that takes us like a blessing from a world we think we know and turns our face to wonder by the gift of a sheer imagined absence, the twilight sense of the ultimate purification to love and let go. We will begin this morning's offertory with these words by John Saxon, entitled, The Oil in the Chalice. The light in our chalice would soon flicker and die without the oil that nourishes its flame. And just as this flame cannot burn without oil, this religious community cannot survive or thrive without the financial as well as personal support of its members and friends. The oil that keeps the flame of our liberal religious faith alive and fuels the mission and ministry of our fellowship. Let us now give freely, generously, and as we are able, an offering to sustain and strengthen our shared religious community, a community of memory, hope, faith, and love. For we are now the keepers of its flame that burns for justice, its dream of beloved community, its vision of a world made whole. This morning's offertory will now be gratefully received.
met him, it was Martin Luther King Jr.'s favorite hymn. And there's a reason for that. He talked about it in a sermon once, about a night when he felt tired and weak and worn. It was in the early days of the Montgomery bus boycott. And one night around midnight, Dr. King received a threatening phone call. The caller said that if he didn't leave Montgomery, Dr. King and his family would be killed. After this midnight call, of course, Martin Luther King wasn't able to go to sleep. So he says he got up eventually and got out of bed and he went to the kitchen and he warmed up some coffee and he sat down at his kitchen table. And here's part of what he said when he told this story in that sermon. He said, I started thinking about many things. I pulled back on the theology and philosophy that I had studied in the universities, trying to give philosophical and theological reasons for the existence and the reality of sin and evil. But the answer didn't quite come there. I sat there and I thought about a beautiful little daughter who had just been born about a month earlier. We have four children now, but we had only one then. And she was the darling of my life. I'd come in at night after night and see that little gentle smile. And I sat at that table thinking about that little girl and thinking about the fact that she could be taken away from me any minute. And I started thinking about a dedicated, devoted, and loyal wife who was over there asleep. And she could be taken from me, or I could be taken from her. And I got to the point that I couldn't take it any longer. I was weak. Something said to me, you can't call on daddy now. He's up in Atlanta, 175 miles away. You can't even call on mama now. You've got to call on something in that person your daddy used to tell you about. That power that can make a way out of no way. And I discovered then that religion had to become real to me and I had to know God for myself. And I bowed over that cup of coffee. I will never forget it. And oh yes, I prayed a prayer and I prayed out loud that night. I said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I think the cause that we represent is right. But Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now. I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage. And I can't let the people see me like this because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they will begin to get weak. And it seemed at that moment that I could hear an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for truth, and lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. Martin Luther King, Jr.
you know, we are in this difficult and fearful time in our nation and in our world. We are each going to have moments when we are afraid for our lives and for the lives of those we love. We're going to have moments when we are afraid for our world. I'm going to have those moments and you are going to have those moments. And what are we going to do in the middle of those dark nights? What are we going to lean on and take refuge in? One thing I know is that you have to face your fear. You have to look it in the eye and stare it down. Because if you run away from it, you give it even more power than it has. A time like this calls you to ask yourself, what do I have in the face of these trials and troubles? What can I lean on when I am tired and weak and worn? Here's what I know. There is power and there is salvation in bowing down, in saying, help me. We live in a mysterious and creative universe. And when you cry out for help, the spirit does respond, saying, here I am, I am with you. In our tradition, we don't think there's just one way. We have this big tent, many paths approach to spirituality, which I hope helps you. And I sense it's a good spirituality for these days and for our diverse and interconnected world. The danger is in this is that sometimes folks have so many choices that they dabble in too many things. And if you do this, the danger is you don't go deep in any of them. And then when a dark night comes, what do you have to lean on? The good news is that hard times can help us to find those deep roots that will nourish and sustain us, can help us to deepen our faith. Martin Luther King Jr. certainly found his dark night to be clarifying. It became plain to him who he was going to lean on. And here's the truth. We each need something, someone to lean on, to put our trust in. Back when I was ordained to the ministry, this is what my friend Curtis said in the sermon he preached that day. On that day, he stood in the pulpit and he looked at me and he said, Frank, even with your good training and your supportive family and all your gifts, you are inadequate, he said. You simply do not possess everything you will need to be our minister. And he said, you will know it before we will. The grace in this, what could seem to be like a negative, is that your own sense of inadequacy will keep you belonging to us 
because you will need us as much as we need you. You are called to be a minister, not a Messiah. Your own sense of inadequacy, of absence, will keep you on your knees in a right posture before God, who is always more. Over the years since then, Curtis's words have rung so true for me. And this has been my experience time and again, being pushed to my knees where I ought to be and finding strength and solace there. Today is Palm Sunday, the start of the week that leads to Easter. This Wednesday evening brings Passover, the great Jewish retelling of their liberation story. Each of these traditions teaches truths that our society, with its love of individualism and its delusion of self-sufficiency, seems to have forgotten. We have forgotten that our individual stories are part of a larger story, that life is not about escape from pain or suffering, but rather passing courageously through it. That the only way to do this is with help, with companions along the way, soul friends whom you love and trust, and also with that presence, that source, which is always more. We have these deep spiritual resources these stories of journeying toward the promised land, these reminders that even death is not the worst thing, that we each are mortal and we are going to die and we don't need to be afraid because death is a part of life. And we have our universalist faith that we are all part of a great love which will never let us go. But please don't hear this as any kind of encouragement to take any risks these days or to be careless with the necessary precautions. We need you to stay safe and be well as best you can. Our nation and our world need all of us to do what we can to stop the spread of this virus to do what we can to help and support those frontline clinicians and workers. And we need to be praying these days because prayer does change things and it certainly helps those who are doing the praying. Even when we are physically apart, this week, this week let us be mindful that we are still journeying together in spirit. Let us remember and reflect on the people of Israel who were led out of slavery and into the wilderness and that long journey toward the promised land. Let us remember the story in which Jesus and his friends journeyed to Jerusalem, where Jesus continued his ministry of inspiring people. In a time of oppression, he made them feel empowered and free 
And of course, this scared and threatened the authorities. And so at the end of that week, they put him to death. Let us take heart, my friends, this week. And let us have faith. Remembering that our forebears have traveled this journey before us. Let us trust that, as the old song puts it, you'll never walk alone. In these trying days, let us remember and hold fast to that faith, that there is a better place, a promised land, that the winding way to that promise passes through the wilderness, that there is no way to get from here to there, except by joining hands, marching together. We can't physically join hands right now, but we still can journey together. We can keep the faith and do our own work and stay strong. Walking together, now, and always. Amen. We're going to lift up our voices in singing now, and I hope you will want to sing in along with us. The words will be printed in the description, so you may know them already, but let's join as you are able in singing, my life flows on in endless song. How can I keep from singing?
Please join me now in saying the words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. And may there be a fire that burns so brightly in our hearts that it keeps us company and sends us where we need to go to do this work we have been called to do, to love one another, to serve those in need, to build the common good, and so help renew the face of this good earth. Peace, my friends, and be well. Amen. Amen.